now. Welcome to the Speaks Technocast presented by the National TUPSSO Franchise Owners Association. My name is Tad Molnhauer, President and Executive Director of the Association. Today we have special guest Connie Schmidt Curran and Nicole Smith. Connie, would you please introduce yourself to everybody? Sure. Hi, everyone. Um, like Tad said, my name's Connie. I own a Kumon Learning Center. I uh, purchased the center 11 years ago. Cannot believe it's been 11 years. Um, and I currently am on the um, association um, board of directors, and I also am on the executive board for the Coalition of Franchisee Associations. Just a, a brief background of how I came to um, be involved in, in my association was when my franchisor, um, about eight months into owning the center, um, put out a very aggressive expansion um, plan, which included encroachment on my center. And um, so franchisees got very active uh, to go forward and start to organize. And what I found staying with the association over 11 years is it's a great, um, I guess 10 years, it's been a great way to um, professionally develop myself and my business. Thank you. And uh, Nicole, would you like to say a few words? Yes. Uh, hi, Tad. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. Um, so my name is Nicole and I run a Kumon Center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. It's my second center. I first started Kumon in Montreal, Quebec in 1996. And not too long after that became involved with the then organization which was called PACO. Um, my, my experience with that organization and helping to co-found the International Association of Kumon Franchisees has taught me a lot of valuable lessons, some of which I'll have time to share today. Great, thank I'm you. President and, of the uh, IAKF. Okay, thank you. Um, just for, first question is, what is your relationship with your franchisor like today? Nicole, would you like to take that one? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, the, the, currently I would say it's good in terms of, you have to understand that even though Kumon North America is one entity, it really, really functions as three separate entities, Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. So as a franchisee of Kumon Canada, I think I have a good relationship with Kumon Canada in that the president has told me that his door is open if I have any questions, comments, concerns, and he has responded very quickly and helpfully when I've expressed concerns recently. I also have an upcoming meeting, um, in fact, in two days with the vice president of Kumon Canada to have an in-depth discussion on marketing in Kumon Canada. So I think that Kumon has really extended a hand of friendship right now, and I hope to use that to help our franchisees here in North America. The U.S. functions a little differently right now. Um, I will say that we have a cordial relationship, although they do a little bit of sticking their fingers in their ears, I can't hear you, I can't hear you, <laughs> um, as the association. But 
they respond in other ways. So we're able to impact by, they know what we do, and then you all of a sudden start to see movement on those areas um, at the corporate level. So it's been very interesting to sort of watch that. They, they may not give us credit, but we can impact, even though they don't actively engage and meet with us, we can impact them through what our focus is. And we're, very, we're vocal about our focus and helping franchisees and improve the business model and things like that. Great. And how has the relationship changed over the years? Well, um, the relationship has changed really radically. <laughs> what happens is when we have a different president, it shifts dramatically. Um, and we've had many different presidents uh, during my um, yeah, I guess it's been 23 years now in Kumon. Um, I've probably seen at least eight um, presidents of Kumon North America uh, of wildly different um, persuasions and foci, you know. So uh, at times when we've had a president who is a bit more progressive and engaging, then we've been able to sit down together as the association and ha have North American meetings uh, talking about issues that affect both Canada and the US. That hasn't happened recently. So uh, we did go through a very bad time um, starting around, I would say- When I joined <laughs> in 2009. Nine. Yeah starting about 2009 with a, a very hostile um, administration and a lot of aggressive expansion. Um, we did succeed in helping to uh, get a number of very toxic managers dismissed from Kumon, but we weren't loved for it. <laughs> so we went through a time after that of not being very popular with Kumon. But I think we're coming back from that now. Yeah, it's been very interesting to me to when I attend CFA meetings. Um, I, I first found the CFA, which is the Coalition of Franchisee Associations, when we were really going through this aggressive encroachment. Um, and the, the, the meetings I'd come out of there exhausted because I was learning so much. But what was interesting is to, and there were two brands specifically. So the first meeting I, I, would, I heard, um, the one brand had a great relationship um, engaging with the management of the corporate. The other brand was not in a good. And um, there was rumor that some of the management from the one brand was gonna end up at the other brand. And so the next meeting, because they're about three months apart, it, they had moved over and it's like oh so how's it going it's like well we're not sure yet you know kind of and then three months later it's like whoa <laughs> and it became a um a very bad situation and if you talk to that the same brand now it's kind of coming up again and so this has been probably three years that i i've watched it so it made me it makes me feel as if well we're not alone <laughs> in the in the way that that it goes in terms of relationships with their franchisor. How have you uh, engaged your franchisor? How have you got them to talk or listen to you? Well, I would say it, originally we were just very forthright. We would just approach them and say, hey, we would like to meet. And as I said, it took time. 
you know, you have to realize that this is a, over the course of two associations, uh, one of which for uh, various reasons, which we'll go into maybe a little bit later when we talk about litigation, <laughs> um, fell into disfavor with Kuma North America and became completely ineffective. And that's when we had to start the new association, IAKF. Um, so we find that just, you know, walking up to the franchisor and saying, hi, you know, we really want to work on um, areas of mutual concern and interest. We got a very good advice from our former franchise attorney who did pro bono work for us for years in that whenever we meet with the franchisor, we always have to frame things in terms of their best interests. They're not interested in what we want or what we need. They are really interested in their profitability, their success. And so whenever we've been able to frame it in those terms, we find that we have a better chance of getting them to come to the table. Dan, yeah. since you brought it up, was legal action required to achieve this? No. On yeah. the contrary, um, legal action was, as I said, what brought the downfall of the previous association. Kumon has an absolute horror of legal, legal action. And if, well, when um, a member of the previous association tried to bring a lawsuit, this was not again from the association. This was a personal lawsuit that he tried to bring against Kumon. Kumon immediately disavowed the association and walked away from the table permanently. It was like, we will never ever talk to you again because you've broken our trust. You can't sue us and sit down at the table with us. So they made that very clear. What's been interesting, the advice that we got from our, from our um, prior um, attorney, I've learned it's been reinforced at CFA listening to uh, other successful franchisee associations because understanding that when you come into being a franchisee and I think uh, the UPS store is similar to Kumon because we have a lot of smaller owners we're, we're not um, owning 80 stores that it's a business model so we're coming in and thinking that oh we're partners if i succeed they succeed and they'll be happy about that and, and i think that's very typical but what i've learned over the years is and the franchisor is not doing it to hurt you purposefully most times <laughs> but that we just have different profit models or, or business models and my job as a franchisee is to figure out how to best operate in, in within the the legal contract to make uh, maximize my my business um, and the franchisors really uh, you know they can frame it whatever they way they want ours frames it in helping more children but it's still a business and it still needs to make money and they their goal is to maximize that money and the more students they have the the more money they make um, and so look taking that emotion out of it has really helped me um, that's not to say that there's not like we said toxic management sometimes that really hurts and and the franchisors don't always realize this till after the fact that it hurts the their business model as well when you have um a toxic management system that that tries to either intimidate fear bully you know however they think they can um get what they think they want from franchisees 
So how important is it, do you think, for franchisees to understand their rights within their franchise agreement? I would say extremely important. This is something that we spend, we have spent significant time over the years making sure that our franchise attorney gets in front of the membership on regular basis to explain the current franchise agreement, because believe me, over the past 23 years, it has changed a lot in many different ways in both countries. So we constantly need, as a matter of fact, we have this coming up again, where we're looking at inviting our franchise attorney to once more map out the current changes in the franchise agreement. Most franchise, uh, most franchise owners we find, sadly, don't really take the time to understand their franchise agreement. They sign it quickly, eagerly, thinking, you know, I, I, I sort of understand this, I'm good. And, uh, and then later on, when they run into an issue with the franchise or they find to their dismay that they have no protection on the item that they're trying to dispute. You know, and with, um, through the CFA, we've had a lot of opportunities and FaceTime with lawyers and um, the CF, the legal symposiums could be another opportunity, but they all joke about who's actually read their actual franchise agreement because your um, disclosure is huge in your agreement. And then they make the changes through the ops manual. So you're having to keep on top of that. Um, but when you first read it, and I literally read it first cover to cover, um, so I did understand my rights. I had rose-colored glasses on. Why would they ever do something to hurt me? <laughs> and and then it changes for Kumon every five years. And this is why I think the legislation piece is so important and why I'm active in the CFA. Every five years, Kumon comes out with a new way to torture franchisees. And <laughs> I could not find it. That's true. But I would be walking away from my all of my my business, all the equity I've built in my business. So um, it's super important to know your rights, and it's super important to engage um, legislators to understand how the challenges in franchising. You know, we all like the franchise model. There's a lot of benefits to it, but it's not perfect. And um, these changes in the variability that we have to deal with in Kumon every five years, and the ops manual at some points has changed every quarter. Uh, those are things that drastically change our business model. And those are things that we would like to get more um, clarity on and more stability on. And through franchise, through legislation, I believe is, is a good way to do that. I, I want to totally agree with Connie, but just want to clarify something else. Um, while we do, as franchisees, sign every five years, Kumon um, often changes the provisions of their franchise agreement even two or three times within that five-year period. Um, as well, I just want to point out that our business model in Kumon over the past 23 years, when I started, Kumon was a little informal thing in a church basement you know, it was very inexpensive to come in. You could basically come in with a thousand dollars, and um, you know, uh, you you. It was very haphazard. It was all over the place. Every center was run differently. There was no standardization. The training was sort of, um, you know, I, I I think I think I received maybe twelve hours of training 
over the period of three months, you know, where they basically showed me a little bit about what I, what my job was and spent a lot of time making sure I knew how to fill my reports so I could pay them their royalties and said, good luck, bye. And um, it's evolved from there to a very lengthy, very expensive training process where everybody has to fly into New Jersey and so on and so forth. Now everybody has to be in commercial space. It's, it's, it's a completely transformed business model. 40 hours a week, you have to be in the center, you know, so it's, it's changed into something that's unrecognizable. If you looked at the model, even, you know, 15 years ago, it's unrecognizable. So we have to somehow navigate our way through this changing landscape as franchisees. And try to make a living that way too, which those, those changes, what Kumon, as much as that has helped their business model, and I don't disagree with some of those changes at all, um, it has impacted profitability and they don't seem to, on the franchisee side and they don't seem to um, acknowledge that or care. I'm not sure which. <laughs> In your, and in your opinion, why are events like the upcoming CFA Legal Symposium so important for franchisees? I would like to let Connie lead this, please. Um, and a few things. First of all, to be educated on the, the um, business side of our business. And with Kumon franchisees, we're so education focused that we let the business side sometimes lapse or most times lapse. I don't know, UPS store, you, you may have a different mindset. But um, so I think that dedicating that time to your business is super important. The level of lawyers that are there and they're very engaging. So you would t talk to me, you know, oh, let's go to a, um, a conference with lawyers. Oh, sounds like fun <laughs> to a bunch of lawyers talk. But they really have some amazing stories to ex help explain. And you'll be sitting there going, yes, <laughs> that's us. <laughs> and so you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and there's, there's something about being with other business owners who are facing very similar challenges with their franchisor that it, it makes you feel better and it gives you ideas on how to handle it and how to improve. I, I, every time I meet with this organization, I learn something. And I learn some, something about, you know, helping my association um, move itself forward, which I think is really important. The networking is invaluable. Thanks, Connie. And I certainly will heartily endorse every word. Um, you know, Connie is such a passionate advocate, and I, I couldn't thank her enough for all the work she's done on behalf of all of us through the CFA. She works very hard as a, as a member of the executive board. I just want to say a word um, just to, to tag on, not, not at great length, but um, she talked about the fact that, you know, that we do as Kumon franchisees have, tend to have more of a focus on non-business than business. And actually, it's a process of indoctrination by the company that begins from day one when the franchise owner comes in. The company tries to instill this sense in the franchisee that somehow the only thing that really matters, the only thing that's really going to grow their center is if they become, quote, a good instructor. In other words, they learn the worksheets, they learn all of the sort of um, company line of how Kumon centers should be run, 
but the company places no emphasis whatsoever on running a business. It doesn't give anybody business tools. It doesn't assist with profitability. It doesn't do any of the things. It, it's missing all of the pieces in terms of becoming a successful business owner. So that's really where we come in as an organization. And this is where we derive tremendous benefit from the CFA. Right. And I think the associations in a, not only does Kumar not care about our profitability, <laughs> um, but the association and any association would be in this um, category, in my opinion, is in a better place to be able to help franchisees with that because it's people who really understand the boots on the ground, what they're dealing with. Um, and I think there's more trust franchisee to franchisee, as long as you're not encroaching on my area, um, in sharing some best practices and things to move our businesses forward. Um, there's definitely a level of distrust with the company um, between franchisees uh, in terms of um, financial information and whatnot. Uh, I would just want to uh, piggyback on what Connie said. Not only does the franchisor not care about our profitability, and not only are we in a better position, but the franchisor actually has demonstrated by trying to run company-owned centers mm -hmm. and failing miserably that it is completely inept at running Kumon businesses properly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you very much, for Nicole and Connie, for joining me to this morning. And uh, I think our members will find this uh, fascinating uh, to hear that a lot of the, the issues that we have are experienced by other franchise or networks. Um, again, thank you once again, and uh, have a good day. Thank you so it's much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. Hope to Bye. see you at the legal symposium. Yeah. Thank you.